Hey everyone, welcome to Smart Guy, Dumb Guy. We're back. If this is your first time listening, I am your host and dumb guy, Christian Serge. And as always, with us, our co-host and smart guy. But wait, I think you actually might be <laughs> Dr. Johnny Morrison. I am not yet <laughs> actually Johnny Morrison, Dr. Johnny Morrison, but I am I am so close. I am uh How close? Probably like two months away. Two yeah, months. Yeah, I should uh for all of those listening, we took a break so Christian could do some work and so I could finish my dissertation. I hopefully will defend in May. And so when I defend, if I pass, that's when you can officially say, I'm Dr. Johnny Morrison, not ABD, just Dr. Johnny Morrison. I cannot wait for the day and I hope that the world just ruse the day that I said Dr. Johnny Morrison. That's right. Wait, no, no, wait. That's not... That's, yes, rue the day. Rue the day, because I will strike so much fear into the, the world around me. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor of theology, just preaching in Salt Lake City That's right. and That's abroad right. in Chicago. And hopefully you'll come down to California one of these days and do some preaching Yeah, too. man. We need it. I love that. Well, yeah. on that note, uh, for the next 23 minutes or so, we're going to have a conversation about current event culture, politics from both sides of the intellectual spectrum. Yes, we are. And if you come to California, Johnny, we actually have something to brag about now. Because, you know, Californians, we always get the, oh, I never want to live in California. They, you know, like everybody seems to hate Californians. They're, they're taking over Utah. They're taking over <laughs> Texas. They're taking over whatever. It seems like they're just taking over Republican states. Poor Republicans. Yeah, poor, yeah, That's poor, poor red states. Sorry, us Californians are, you know, moving out. They're like, stay in your own state. Like, well, you know, you have state pride too. I get it. So, but if you come down, we have something to brag about and is we have the lowest COVID cases in the country. Oh, come on now. Look at that, dude. Look yeah, at that. Gavin Newsom, he is our governor and he uh, is worried about having the recall. So he's been really trying to fast track the vaccine as well as announced that as of June 15th, California should be fully open oh I don't know what that means yeah i mean that is exciting though it's like it i feel like for the very first time we're like so close like when you say june 15th you're like i can feel june 15th that's not that far away utah's kind of in a similar spot yeah. where it's like vaccination rates are going really well pretty much everybody in my friend group is either fully vaccinated or halfway through their vaccination process at this point my parents are halfway vaccinated it's like everybody i know is like halfway there and by the end of april everybody all the adults in my life will be fully vaccinated yeah my family we're all halfway vaccinated uh anna gets her shot next monday i get my shot next wednesday and my second shot yes and uh yeah just two more weeks and fully immune mm -hmm. you know when i was in line this guy was sitting there and he was like man the government i have to stand in this line and get this microchip implanted in my shoulder <laughs> and he's complaining to me and i i, I kid you not i just didn't have it in me to engage. I just kind of stared at him. Like, yeah. Uh, I, have you seen a, a vaccine before? Have you, have you studied nanotechnology? It doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I just want to be like, you're carrying, you're carrying the only microchip you'll need in your pocket already. <laughs> like every, you are, you are being tracked, but you just like willfully signed up for that one. So true. You carry it, they listen to, yeah. The other day I was looking for, I was upset that Express, I like Express t-shirts because they don't have any logos, mm. they don't have any markings, it's just the name lasts forever and they look good and they discontinued their their t-shirts that I like and so I was really complaining and all of a sudden 
I get on Instagram and I've got like 27 fresh clean teas, the is. best teas that I've ever had. Like they listen to you. The <laughs> microchip is already in my pocket. I mean, like we know that's true. Like it's not even us just like riffing on conspiracy theories. Like that's what Snowden leaked yep. from government secrets is that they were genuinely listening to us. They were genuinely keeping like our information in databases. They built one of those NSA databases in Utah just to store all of our, our phone and email conversations that they're siphoning through. So Sir, you are right to be concerned. That's true, but it's yes. it's over, man. Like they know everything about you. This yeah, we, moment's not the one we, that we need to be worried about. Well, you're right. And speaking of kind of crazy moments in uh, line, uh, the voting line is something that I want to talk about today. Is in the Atlantic, and I know we picked we both picked an article today. We're going to talk about in the Atlantic. I find their articles so wordy. I only understand about ten percent of the words, <laughs> so I apologize if I get the story wrong. But Georgia, of course, has now made some new laws, and I guess I just don't understand it, Johnny. I don't understand why one side wants to make the voting harder for people when it is a constitutional right, mm-hmm. and it's like. They want to make it harder, but they want to make it easier to carry a gun. Both seem, both are constitutional rights to carry a gun and to vote. But one of them they want to make harder to vote. And I, it, it, it's, it bothers me. It bothers mm-hmm. me a lot because when I look on it on the surface and I read this article, it felt like they, they, the big GOP or people who were in support of making things harder, it was focused towards like urban areas. And so I dived in deeper. I thought, all right, I'm going to I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And it's really interesting. The article opens up with this story about in the election Donald Trump insisted that he lost Georgia, right? And that there was widespread voter fraud. And these are things we've heard about on every election, but for mm-hmm. some reason Donald Trump had this huge influence on people. And Georgia specifically, they believed it. And so they seem to agree with him, right? Or they, they at least that their voters agreed with him. And so they started like trying to take voting and make it more hard. So at the end of this, what I'm reading and what I'm understanding is that you can't give food or water to people in a voting line up to 150 feet away. Mm-hmm. And in Georgia, it's hot as hell in voter season, right? And that you, they took the voter ballot ballot boxes that used to be like 96 in one county and they're moving, removing them out to where there's 23. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I don't really understand it because a lot of statistics say the harder you make it to vote, the more people turn out to vote. Mm. So on one side, I'm like, it's making it harder, but it's also drawing more attention that it is harder. So we're going to have more people vote, which I think is a good thing. But at the same time, I don't understand why people would want to do that in general, yeah. unless it is just something that that side of the party doesn't like. And so yeah. it just seems like, oh, we don't like this and we have the power to do something about it. So we're going to do it. But what I want to hear about most, and this is maybe the last thing I'll say in, in this or not last thing, but the, the one of the last things before maybe I'll say, hey, what do you think? But they took the power away from the secretary of state. Mm-hmm. And they want to give the power to the elected officials, which seems very, very dangerous to me. I want to get clarification because what that means is, is that they want to put the power of withholding the ballots mm-hmm. or counting the ballots in the person who has a stake in the game to win or lose. 
And I think that's really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. This was the article that you shared is super fascinating. It's by Derek Thompson. It's a good review of the the new legislation in Georgia. I think for for a handful of reasons. One, because it like it explains the story that motivates the legislation passing. I think it did a really nice job debunking some of the worst rhetoric that we have heard from Democrats on hmm. the voting bill. Like like Biden has referred to it as Jim Crow on steroids. And the author is like mm-hmm. interviewing a bunch of political scientists. And they're like to, to refer to it as Jim Crow on steroids is like super hyperbolic. Like it's they're not putting poll taxes in. There's not like a white priority lines. But so like wait, wait, what does hyperbolic mean uh, over the top? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Over the top language. It's not Jim Crow 2.0 in the same kind of way that Jim Crow was. But with that Mm. said, like it does make voting more difficult. So like there's, there's this like really fascinating thing that's happening with the conversation in media around this legislation, which is like, it does make voting harder. There's some things that are good. Like in this law, it mandates that voting drop-off boxes exist, which I guess it was never a mandated requirement, but it limits how many there were, because I guess they were like an optional thing before, and now they're taking it to a mandatory thing, but limiting how many there are. So there's like fascinating things that are happening in the law. The other thing that's fascinating about this is the writer talks about how different Georgia's voting laws are compared to some like more majority blue states, and how those blue states might actually have worse voting records like Delaware, Biden's home state, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, or New York. But George is getting so much publicity because of Trump's comments, because of the legislation, because of the work of people like Stacey Abrams. So all, I didn't get that far in the article. <laughs> <laughs> it's, fa- it's, it's a fascinating kind of like conversation because it's just like, it, like, and I, it's like the way it's being talked about, it's so intense that we're not really in in media, no one, it seems like, is really having a conversation about what's actually in the bill. Mm. But when you dive in, you're like, oh, no, it does make voting more difficult. Like, so that's still right. true, but not in the same kind of way that these other people are saying in the same kind of intensity. But the, the point that you made, which is about removing Georgia's attorney general from the oversight role, yeah. is really fascinating. It is. It's. Fascinating, I think a little bit scary. Yeah. And it 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 really made me ask the question, how can we give others high autonomy? How can we let them mm. do the things that they want to do in a free government? But how can we hold them to high accountability without demonizing them? And and is it is this mm. really possible to have autonomy and accountability? And how do we begin to do that? So when I look at this situation in Georgia and with the Secretary of State and, and you know, with different parties, with the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, we all have the things that we believe. How can we allow ourselves to be free and to, to, to go for those moments, but to not make it harder to vote mm-hmm. or not make it hard to carry a gun? I mean, I do not, th- I think we should make it harder to have specific kinds of weapons. Let's just be clear on that. But the point I'm asking here is, how do we give others high autonomy and and high accountability? And if it's possible, how do we begin to do that? Hmm. Yeah, what a good question. That's such a good question because like, it feels like the examples that you just listed feel like 
they are two examples of where two different ideological sides believe that they are doing that, giving you know high autonomy and high responsibility. Mm-hmm. So say, say it's as simple as this. Democrats believe that if you empower access to votes, you're giving higher autonomy and higher levels of responsibility. And the conservatives are saying the exact same thing about, yeah, about gun legislation, that if you make it easier to get guns and you empower autonomy. So you're like, yeah, the basic argument is kind of the same, mm-hmm. but the item around which the argument is flowing is something different. And so then like, it's like, how do you bridge the gap between such ideological distinctions? And how do you live yeah. in a country where people have such deeply ideologically divisive positions? Well, yeah, I think that's uh, a really hard question. I don't know the answer. I barely even knew what autonomy is. I heard it this morning when I was meeting with a friend and I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, you know, like you're able to do what you want to do. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes more you're sense. Like, I'm going to use today. that word today. I, I am. I'm going to use that in the <laughs> podcast. I'm going to feel like the smart guy for once. But no, I, I don't know if it's actually possible. I don't think that I believe that it is because of a few things that we've talked about before on the show is that people are attaching their politics to their identity. They're mm-hmm. attaching this idea of carrying a gun to their identity, even though they may own a shotgun, but they don't own an AR-15 mm-hmm. or an M-16. And then we see people blowing each other away with these assault rifles. And no, you can't have safety gun laws. Yep. But you, but you can't vote unless you show a specific ID with a specific number from a specific county in a specific way, yeah. right? Like you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense to me. So how can we, I guess, shake people up and knock some sense into them? I just want to know, I just want to hit them, knock them insensitively. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that might work. I, I think there's something about it where it's like, it's interesting, like the nature of the conversation even around the Georgia bill is like, like I listen to a handful of podcasts that are like aggressively, they're like definitely seriously progressive and they talk about the bill like it is Jim Crow policy. And then you go and read some of the statements of the bill and you're like, um, that's a, that's intense language. It's probably inappropriate language even to compare what people have experienced in terms of Jim Crow South to what is happening now. Not that there's not still massive instantiations of systemic racism that could be classified as Jim Crow too, but like, is this that moment yeah. and is it appropriate to use that kind of language? Because... In using hyperbolic language, you you kind of fuel an ideological fire. And so, yes. like, yeah. I think that maybe one step in the conversation is, can we have a substantive conversation about what's actually in the bill instead of a conversation that is so ideologically name-driven, like, we're going to call you a name, we're going to accuse you of these things. Um, can media report on it in a way that is a bit more appropriate I think like that might begin to lessen some of the intensity if we could just like you if we could care about the language we use in this moment. Boy, if that's not good advice, I don't know what is. <laughs> all of you, all of you out there in a relationship, care about the language that you talk to your right. spouse or your girlfriend. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of, I don't know what we're gonna do with that, but speaking of hyperbolic language or strange language, Mitch McConnell used a word in an article we're gonna talk about next. Mm-hmm that is common and made popular, stolen, for lack of a better term, from the black American English, Mm -hmm. called Woke, the Woke Capital. Yeah, so it was great that you chose an article about Georgia legislation because I chose an article about, um, again, from The Atlantic, and Adam Surer, who is a writer there. And the article is about 
this recent moment in Georgia's legislation, because Georgia passes the legislation, pressure happens culturally on businesses in Georgia to protest that moment, to protest the bill. So Delta, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, even Home Depot, which is like donated money to Trump, all come out condemning the Georgia legislation. I buy Lowe's now. You buy, that's right, you buy Lowe's. But it's fascinating, they all do it, right? They all do it. Yeah. And Mitch McConnell, in, 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 the, in the most like brazen, I mean, there's so many moments with, with Mitch McConnell that are like brazen hypocrisy, yeah. but in like the, one of the most brazenly hypocritical moments, he's like, businesses need to stay out of politics because they're becoming like consumed and used by left wokest ideology and now they're trying to influence politics and, and like Mitch McConnell like threatened like there'd be legislative consequences against businesses that got involved which is crazy after Citizens United like Mitch McConnell businesses or people is now like please Coca-Cola when you disagree with my politics stay out of the political lane it's it's fascinating I think I think that's what it is I think you named something really important here it's like when it doesn't match the thing that I want it to match, mm-hmm. it's bad. Yep. If it does match the thing I want it to match, then it's good and everything else is bad. And I think we're seeing that from a lot of politicians, not just Mitch McConnell. Oh, totally. And he shouldn't ever use the word woke again. He is the <laughs> most he shouldn't be using that word. That's it. But I think you just named something really important. I mean, that's it's totally true, right? Like even going to the Georgia's legislation, like I, I, we can take shots at Democrats easy. Like Biden is from Delaware and Delaware has terrible voting legislation. Like it's yep. hard to vote in Delaware, but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it's a blue state. It overwhelmingly votes blue. And so you're like, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, you, if you're going to be up in arms about this moment, be up in arms about that moment. Like, well, you know, I, I think it's interesting about what he said about corporations, because I don't know if you know the history of corporations. You probably do, but I was part of a documentary called forward 13 and then it, it's, it grew and, it's Big Brother is now called The Con, and we had Patrick Lovell mm-hmm. on The Con in one of our old, uh, past shows. And the reason for corporations in the beginning of the country was that they agreed to do something for the government. They actually agreed to build the railroad from Colorado to Utah. And because they were going to do that on their own dime, the government granted them corporation status so that they couldn't be held liable for something and they would give them tax breaks and they would, you know, it was like a handshake. And now corporations have become the friend of one party and the foe of the other party. And I don't think it has to be that way either. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to read this article and I may just be going veering off, but I definitely wanted to talk about where corporations came from. Yeah. And now corporations, which we all probably work for, like I work for a great corporation and they weather the storm. You know, it goes up and down. Taxes mm-hmm. go up, taxes go down, taxes go up. If the government gives them tax breaks, they take them. Sure. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I would, I'd take tax breaks. We take them all the time. Mm-hmm. We're taking them now. We got stimuluses. We got child credit. We got all kinds of stuff. That's And we're happy about that. Mm-hmm. So when I look at this article, I'm like, what does the conservatives fascination with corporations do for the American family. Mm. And if everybody would ask that question, what 
does this legislation that gives corporations more power or more whatever, more anything, mm-hmm. what does it do for my family as an American? What does it do for my constitutional rights as an American? Yeah. And if you can't answer that, you should either dig or you should consider not supporting that legislation. Yeah. That's a great, I, mean, I think that's a great, like a great summary of it. Like, I mean, you're even looking at like the Amazon, the union vote for Amazon right now. Will some Amazon factories get a union? And that's like this moment where it's like, how much power do we give a corporation over how much power do we give the individuals who work in the corporation? Mm -hmm. And we have so deregulated and under-empowered the organizations that used to work as a bit of a balancing force to corporations. And then we've over-empowered corporations that it makes, it's interesting, like it makes sense that Mitch McConnell at one moment is like, yeah, give them all the power in the world because they fund my campaign. And then as soon as that turns against you, which of course it's going to because corporations don't give a shit about your politics, they care about the bottom line. So as soon Mm -hmm. as it becomes culturally more advantageous for the politics to change the policies they're driving, then Mitch McConnell's like, oh crap, I have to like switch it. And you're like, well, that's the beast that you made, homie. Like this is the monster that you created and now it's about to devour you. And it's <laughs> so true. In a few months, it'll devour somebody else. Like it'll switch to eating people on the left. It's not like it's woke permanently. It's it's fucking Coca Cola. Like they don't care. <laughs> so tr- they don't care. It's so funny. As I'm reading these articles and I'm kind of complaining and walking around the house, my son will just pass by and go, "Dad, I blame it on capitalism." <laughs> and I'll be like, "Yeah, but Mitch McConnell, Dad." I call it capitalism. And he's walking, I'm like, finally I stopped. I'm like, Walker, what are you saying? He's like, well, I learned in Urinetown, the latest musical that I mm-hmm. did. You know, he did this musical and, and he's like, capitalism is the problem. And, you know, so maybe it is. Maybe that's what this is. Capitalism is the problem. But again, I, I, I think you bring in a really interesting point. Corporations, they don't care. Yeah. They care about the bottom line. And if it's a friend one day, it could be the foe the next. That's exactly right. So that... I wanted to ask you a question in light of all those things that we've just said. Do you think that conservatives, folks like Mitch McConnell, will change their rhetoric and their policy regarding corporate money now that they're accusing it of being like influenced by the left? Well, first off, Mitch McConnell reminds me of John Kerry when he just, he'll say anything, they'll say anything at any moment. Hmm to even if they said the day before something completely opposite they are truly politicking yeah and i don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth i can't stand the guy but there are other guys that i can't stand either yeah. right on both sides of the spectrum what was the question again i got all into this like i'd hate these people <laughs> well do you think that conservatives and mitch mcconnell will change their rhetoric and policy regarding corporate money now that corporations are supporting agenda items they don't agree with. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You think so? 100%. 100%. They'll still take the money under the table, yeah. <laughs> and it'll it'll come out later, and they will be like, well, uh, they'll just say something about it. Yeah. And, and it'll get brushed over. Everybody will be upset about it for a minute, and then another party will try to use the public's upset to further their lobbying agenda and it's just a, it's a mess man we live in a mess right now we do but we're gonna reopen and all the microchips we have in our pockets are gonna be just working overtime <laughs> that's right because we'll be at every restaurant every store every mall I'm just gonna go like sit in a restaurant and just like be there just for no reason other than to be like i'm in a public place what's up oh just to see people's 
faces. Yeah. And I know this is probably horrifying to people who are like introverts, right? Like they're just like, <gasps> like my wife, she's like, I don't, I don't really like, I thought this was great. Like, you know, I, I can stay here forever. Yeah. <laughs> I can stay here forever. And I got, we got to work together in the same room and we didn't go do it. I was like, babe, I can't, I yeah. can't do this. I can't do this any longer. I don't know. So what actually was the article about? I, I thought we kind of got further away from it as we continued to go. No, that was, that was basically it. It's a, it's an opinion piece, but his opinion is basically like, this is just co- corporations doing what is most advantageous for the bottom line of each corporation. Yeah. Like don't be convinced by the way in which large corporations will hijack popular cultural activism in order to sell more junk, right? Like, and sometimes it happens really well, like corporations do a very smart job, which is what Coca-Cola, Delta, and even Home Depot are doing yeah. now. But sometimes, do you remember that moment where Pepsi tried to do a weird commercial where they were like merging BLM protesters and police officers through a Pepsi and there was like a ton of, it was very bad. Um, oh my gosh, I don't remember that. And one of the, I think one of the Kardashian sisters, like the younger one was like, the person who like handed the Coke to the cop from the protesting. What? Yeah, it was, dude, it was super bad. That's a bad moment where corporations try to hijack activism in order to sell more junk and it goes poorly. Yeah. But they'll do it as often as they possibly can to sell more goods to more people. That's the only concern. So don't be convinced by woke capital. It doesn't exist. Well, last words, Georgia voting rights. Last words, Georgia voting rights. I think be careful of your language, be careful of the hyperbole, and yet stay aware because it is making voting harder. So it's not like in talking about the hyperbole of the language, like, no, no, something serious is on the line. So pay attention, but try to curate genuine conversations because I think that's going to be the first step in overcoming ideological divides. I agree. I think also last words on the corporations, again, Really dive into Mm -hmm. the legislation that gives corporations more power or more influence and ask yourself, what does this do for me and my family Mm -hmm. as a citizen of the United States? Mm -hmm. And does this help? And if it doesn't, let's not support it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and we say this a lot, like get local, be with your neighbors, like support small businesses. Like my neighbor is a conservative and yet like, we have conversations all the time. Like once you're actually having a face-to-face conversation with somebody, it's a really different ball game than when you're having a conversation over the internet or whatever. So get local, support local. And you know, don't, don't believe, don't believe Delta. (laughs) (laughs) Smart words. My almost doctor friend in two months. I can't wait. Well, Hey everyone, that ends our episode of smart guy, dumb guy. Sure do appreciate you listening. See you next time. See ya. to a smart guy and a dumb guy production a podcast exploring culture current events and politics from both sides of the intellectual spectrum see you next time